We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Uh, Cooling Kevin Friday uh, on the show today. We're going to talk about the four divisional round playoff games over the weekend. I'll have a smell test. Cooley will have his lock of the week. Um, We'll talk some Washington football, too. Uh, I'm going to ask Cooley the question I asked callers this morning on the radio show, and that is give me your quarterback room on September 1st. Who are the two to three quarterbacks that you think will be on the roster or that you want to be on the roster um, when the season begins. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of time to talk about all of that stuff um, uh, during the course of the season. But I wanted to start, for those that listened to the radio show, which you did not, um, by saying I had Chase Young on the show, on the radio show. And f- first of all, great kid. I mean, I say kid because for me, he is a kid. You know, he's 22 years old or whatever he is. Great kid, such a nice kid. But, of course, Cooley, everybody was waiting. Oh, you'll never, ever bring up the fact that he didn't play well or you won't mention the Brady stuff or anything. Um, And, uh, you know, I did. I mean, it was a lot of, so tell me how the season was for you. (laughs) You know, you're going to be the defensive rookie of the year. It was a lot of building him up and making him feel great, which, by the way, he is great, and he had a phenomenal season. Um, And, uh, you know, I think I asked him about, the, you know, a moment or two from the season that he remembers. And, you know, all of his all of his answers were team-related, you know, which is great to hear. You know, and I said, well, you know, the touchdown against what the 40. What you do. I'm sorry, exactly, what you do. Um, you know, what about the touchdown against the Niners? What about the hit on Joe Burrow? You know, I was thinking, I mean, he had some massive plays this year. That hit on Joe Burrow was really, I think, the first moment – of the season, because remember he was he wasn't healthy for for several games. That hit on Burrow at the goal line that separated Burrow from football was a big play, big play in the se- in the game, sort of a big play in the season, because you know Joe Burrow was lighting them up and they were about to go up. I think in that moment, two scores in the first half. Um, but anyway, um, he did say the Pittsburgh game he really felt like was the moment that they really felt that they were, you know, a good team and that they had a chance to be good. But, um, you know, the part that we've spent some time talking about on the podcast, (laughs) 
on Wednesday. In the compliment, the compliment sandwich. <laughs> the, the, the one criticism was like the smallest sliver of ham. It was a tiny sliver of ham. Actually, you know, it it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I there was no way I was going to back off. You know, asking him about what was a game in which he didn't play well and the defense didn't play well and. You know, I'm going to paraphrase the way I sort of set it up and asked him, but basically it was, you know, the defense pretty much, you know, pretty much carried the team to the postseason. I think everybody understands that and that he was a big part of that. But I just said, look, last Saturday night against Tampa, it wasn't a good night for the defense. And I said, you know, Chase, for you, it was, it was far from your best game as well. And I just said, what happened? And, um, you know, he talked a lot about um, uh, it, it, it was a lot of team stuff, and and then he got into you know uh, it was a learning experience, and and I said, well, what did you learn? And again, I'm going to paraphrase the answer because I can't remember specifically what he said, but he basically said, you know, I, I learned from the coaches about you know how they were trying to handle me with you know some chips and some doubles, and and that's when I just said. You know, for a lot of that game, Donovan Smith was singled up against you, you know, and he did a pretty good job. He's a pretty good player. I wanted to see if he would say, you know, uh, Donovan Smith got the best of me. And he did. I think he did say Donovan Smith played well and, you know, there was a lot to learn from the game. And and then I sort of turned it to the Tom Brady comments and, you know, asked him if he regretted it. He actually said something like, you know, the media made a big deal out of the, the Brady thing. And I, and I said, well, did you have a problem with the fact that the media made a big deal out of it? And he said, no, I didn't have a problem. And I said, you know why they made a big deal out of it? I said, it was playoff week and it was Tom Brady and everything you say during a playoff week is going to be magnified. And, and, and I said, and then, you know, your performance is going to be scrutinized in a big place. You're used to that. You played in, you know, you played for Ohio state and he said, yep. And then I think I said something like, um, you know, do you regret saying what you did about, uh, uh, Brady, uh, leading up to that week? And he said, no, not at all. Um, but he understood why it got blown up anyway. It, it was to be honest with you. He's just such a nice kid. <laughs> he's so- that's crazy. It's so funny because. The All-22 has changed the way I think you've consumed games in the last few years. Yeah. Because it would be tough to go back as a, five years ago and say, okay, was he actually singled up? And do I want to spend the time and go through the commercial breaks and go through all the things? And can I see it when it, when it happens? And it changes the way you, you talk to some of these guys when you know you're right. Yeah. Because um, we know you, you knew you were right. Yeah. I don't. I think that I wonder if he even watched it. He did. I, I said. I said. Did, did you Did you go back and have you looked at the game and 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 analyze it? And, he, and that's you know I'm I'm probably going to get some things out of order here. You know when you're doing this, you don't remember Fine. verbatim. You're talking about a conversation. You're, yeah, it was a talking. conversation. But for those of you that missed it, you can just go to the team980.com or go to the radio.com app and and listen to it. First of all, I know this because I've had Chase on the show. Twice, maybe three times. I had him the day he was drafted. I had him before the season started. And I think I had him once during the season. So it was either two or three times. And I know what a nice young man he is and how humble he is and, you know, and how he's a team first guy. Look, that's why they love him too. 
You know, that's why they love him and they didn't love necessarily Dwayne Haskins. I did ask him about how Haskins is doing. And he said, you know, he's, he's taking care of his business and whatever. I asked him about Heineke and some other things as well. Anyway, um, he's just a nice kid, you know, and he's good. He's really, really good. And, you know, I, at the same time, I think, you know, in one of those interviews, you, you got especially a day or two days after – you really were critical of his performance, you have to say, what happened? You didn't play well. Sure. What happened? You know? No, and I think for him, he's just he's in a different situation where it it really can bring him to, to normal dude status because he, he can self-deprecate this, no problem. He, did, he, he didn't, do, he didn't do that. I know that, but I'm saying to you, it's different if Bostic gave up three of the big plays in the game and you had Bostic on and you said, you didn't play well, what happened? And everyone's been critical of him all year and it's been a tough year. Chase Young's been excellent all year. You've been complimentary. Whether or not he knows that, it doesn't matter. But right. he's been good enough all year. And and I think this is a moment where he could say, yeah, big-time stepping stone. Playoffs were a different level and Donovan Smith was amazing and, and I'll be better next time. Yeah, And that makes him so relatable. Because he is so good. Yeah. I just don't think he has anything to ever worry about in his career saying, I got to be better. You know, some guys, you don't want to say that stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean. Uh, he, he can say, and he, he, he just has to be better in one game. It's no big deal. I did not, and now that I'm thinking about it, actually, I did not bring up the criticism of him retweeting the being held all night. Um, I could have well, done. He basically I could... said to you on the show, he learned by his coaches saying that he was chipped and doubled, but he wasn't. Yeah. So that's not true. But that that's not true because that, that's not. Yeah. He just doesn't need to protect himself. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. He's good enough that it doesn't matter. Look, the bottom line is he was, and I think I I think I did ask him something to the effect of, you know. Most people would describe the year you had as, you know, a year that met or exceeded expectations. It was a really good year. How would you describe it? And, you know, he 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 described it. My recollection, this is what happens when you get a little bit older. My recollection of what just happened about an hour and a half ago was, um, I think, uh, that he sort of described it in the context of the team, you know, and the team's um, – uh, the team's accomplishment. Um, anyway, uh, it, you can go listen to it. Anybody that that missed it, he he was. Yep. I, every, the, the, if I don't know if that was the second or third time I've had him on the show, I forget to be honest with you. I think it was the third time. He's you can just tell why people like him, and he's a nice young man, and he's humble, and and if the coaches you know made him feel like he was chipped and doubled, and instead of saying this is what happened, I don't know, that's for somebody else to interpret. Bottom line is, I, I next year if they're in a position in the postseason, and he has another off game, well then we can really start to say what's going on in these biggest moments, you know. Um, but I would bet that the next time he has an opportunity in a postseason game, and hopefully he does here, um, that he has a much better game and ends up being the player that we saw for pretty much the entire regular season uh, when he was healthy. I actually probably should have asked him about uh, the injury. I, I totally forgot about that at the end of the game. Anyway. We'll be all right. 
All right, I'm going to ask Cooley uh, a question about the quarterbacks that he thinks will be on the roster at the beginning of Washington season next year. Then we'll get to the divisional round playoff game, smell test, lock of the week, all of that stuff right after this word from a couple of our sponsors. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who are the quarterbacks that are going to play for Washington in 2021? I'm going to go first. I'm going to give you a little bit more time to think about it, and I'll also you know, update everybody on sort of the contract situations. You know, Alex Smith, my wager would be that Alex Smith is not going to be on the roster. There will be roughly a 13 to $14 million cap savings by releasing Alex Smith or if Alex Smith retires. So that, to me, makes it a no-brainer. Even though Washington is in a really good cap situation anyway going into, ne- into next year with a reduced cap from 198 to an expected $175 million because of all of the lost revenue due to the pandemic, I just don't see Alex Smith being on this roster next year. I mean, it's funny how this has gone, right, from he'll never play again to, oh, my God, he's playing and he stinks, to, oh, my God, he's playing and he's good, to, oh, my God, he's going to be the starter next year, to now, you know, I don't think he's going to be the starter. I've been wrong at every turn, but I think, look, at 37 years old um, and a cap number of $24 million roughly for next year and the opportunity to essentially, you know, uh, reduce your cap – uh, number next year by 13 to 14 million dollars. I just don't see him going with Alex Smith. I, it would not surprise me at all if he retires. 
Uh, Kyle Allen is a no-brainer. Kyle Allen is a restricted free agent uh, going into the season. Um, Kyle Allen, they essentially, he's an exclusive rights free agent, excuse me. Uh, He's an exclusive rights free agent, which means all Washington has to do is pay him the veteran minimum in 2021, and he's on the roster for the 2021 season. That's roughly in the neighborhood of $800,000. That's a lock to me. I think it's a very strong possibility that Alex Smith is off the roster and a very pretty much a lock that Kyle Allen is on it. Let's not forget, they like Kyle Allen. You know, the coach, Ron Rivera, was asked at the end of the year, would they be in the same position with Kyle Allen as they are with Alex Smith? And he said, yes. They like Kyle Allen. They traded a fifth rounder for Kyle Allen, and he's going to cost them nothing to have on the roster next year. Uh, by the way, I have heard that the dislocated ankle uh, rehab is not as easy as everybody thinks it is, and there is some question as to whether or not he will be ready when they start to work in the spring and even the summer. Um, but he's going to be on this roster, in my opinion. The Taylor Heineke situation is is a little bit more complicated. So... He was not on the active roster for six games, which means that he did not get an accrued season, which means that Heineke is a restricted free agent. What typically happens with restricted free agents, if you want to keep them, is that you put a tender on them. Um, With quarterbacks, it's either a first or a second round tender. A second round tender means that Washington's going to commit to a salary of around three to three and a half million dollars for one season. If a team negotiates with him and offers him a deal, Washington has the right of first refusal. If they pass, the other team has to give Washington a second rounder. A first-round tender is the same thing with a higher salary. It's more in the neighborhood of $4.5 million for one year. If a team signs them to a bigger deal and Washington doesn't want to match it, that team will give up a first-rounder. Nobody's going to give up a first-rounder for Taylor Heineke and a big deal. I don't think anybody's going to give up a second-rounder for Taylor Heineke on a much bigger deal that Washington decides not to match. Um, There's the right of first refusal tender, which means Heineke can just go out and look for offers and Washington has the right to match it. And if they don't, then they pay him like $2 million for one year. My personal opinion is they want him back and they'll put a second round tender on him and pay him $3.3 million next year. That's my guess. So I've got Kyle Allen on the roster. I've got Taylor Heineke on the roster. For basically $4 million combined, Heineke's going to make a lot more money than Kyle Allen will next year. But then I think they are going to go the veteran path and try to trade for like a Matt Stafford. That would be my preference. I would, I would trade for Matt Stafford. I would give up my first rounder for Matt Stafford. I think it's going to be a very interesting thing as to whether or not the new coach in Detroit, the new management team in Detroit, wants to continue with Matt Stafford or whether or not they'll draft a quarterback um, early in the first round. They have the seventh pick in the first round, I believe it is. I think it's the seventh pick in the first round, something like that. I, it's it's a top ten pick. Um and, you know, rebuild if they decide to go that route. If they do, they may trade him. I think there would be a market for Matt Stafford. Um, I talked to somebody, I may have mentioned this to you the other day, that said, ah, it's like the Alex Smith deal. It's a third and Kendall Fuller. I personally don't believe that. I think it's a second and a third and a player or a first and a fourth 
something like that, I would give that up for Matt Stafford. I mean, to me, he's going to be 33 years old. He's a baller. He has been in a bad organization with uh, bad players for the most part. I think the years with Jim Caldwell were pretty good. Um, With Calvin Johnson early in his career were pretty good. He's had some phenomenal seasons. The dude's thrown for over 45,000 yards. You know, he's had eight seasons of throwing for basically 4,300 yards or more. He had a 5,000-yard season in 2011, a uh, 41-touchdown season in 2011. Last year, before he got hurt, and missed half the season. He was on his way to like 40 touchdowns, 10 picks, and 5,000 yards. Um, I'm talking about 2019. I like Matt Stafford. You know I've liked Matt Stafford for a long time. That's my quarterback room. Matt Stafford, but if I have to give up my first, I'm going to do it. Um, And then Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. What's yours? Well, I think the the Kyle Allen – Heineke situation would change if they were to bring in a true starting quarterback or a first round pick. Although I don't know if Kyle Allen and Heineke will have many other options. I'm with you on the tender on Heineke, but I think that they would use a right of first refusal tender. Okay. Let him go out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're keeping him. An extra million bucks to guarantee that you're keeping him is actually not the worst thing if you really did like him. Because you, you're absolutely right. Nobody's going to give up a second for Heineke. Right. I don't In think the right of first refusal, someone might want to, someone might give him a three year, $3 million a year deal, and you have Heineke, Kyle Allen, and other decisions to make. You might not want to pay that much. I just don't know if I see that, dude, for one game. That'll be a decision they have to make, But if, especially if they move on from Alex, I think that they'll be fine. They could restructure with Alex, which would give them like somewhere around an 8 or $9 million cap savings, close to a $9 million cap savings. Yeah. If that's if Alex wants to play. I Honestly, I think that they'll leave the decision up to Alex. My bet would be that Alex is, is likely to hang him up, as you'd say. Why, if he doesn't hang it up, would you know bring him back? You're asking a question. He's not. He's won so many games here. He's a leader. He does everything. I don't know. There's something about him. You know, I know where he where he currently stands as a quarterback. Where does he Where does he currently stand as a quarterback? At the bottom five of starting quarterbacks. And, and, and in terms of talent and, and production, and but the other stuff weighs into it. I know, but the other stuff only weighs into it if he's actually healthy enough to be on the field, which how he won't you, be for 16 games. The, how much are you going to pay one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league? <laughs> exactly. You know, four, four million bucks a year, five million bucks a year is too much. What was Colt McCoy getting here? Like three, three. Or four million dollars a year? Yeah, like three. Yeah, so you're going to want to try to restructure to that in a in a three year deal or a two year deal, and that's if Alex even wants to. I don't. I think Alex is a wild card. I don't think that there is any decision to make in terms of keeping him in his current salary. Like his current cap number of twenty three million dollars will not exist. No, can't. I, it just wouldn't surprise me if he was still on the roster. 
it wouldn't totally blow me away if this roster looked next year like Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, and Alex Smith. But Alex Smith at a much lower number. Uh, and Alex Smith had a much lower number. But then you're sitting there with three quarterbacks that cost you essentially, well, Alex would cost you some. You know, Alex is still going to end up costing you if you kept him at all in a restructured deal. He would still cost you $14 million. And then you're saying, is it worth the $14 million bucks? Well, $14 million is nothing for a starting quarterback. It's a shitload for that. a backup quarterback. And you then have three quarterbacks in your quarterback room that all got injured this year. There's a lot of stuff to think about with Alex in terms of does another year do him more good? Does it help that some of the nerve damage, does it help some of the stuff that he's got going on? But I look, I just, I have to look at it and say, look, if he had to go in and you count on your backup quarterback having to play games, if you got to be able to have a backup quarterback play 10 games. Is drafting, I mean, it's not, is draft, want, but he's got to be capable of doing it physically. And I just, when I look at Alex, I just don't think the capability to, for any kind of longevity. Right. That's, that, that, that's, look, if we, if he didn't have that calf injury, and he continued to quarterback at the level that he was quarterbacking at in the second half of the Pittsburgh game and the Detroit game, and you know, and, and we didn't have the San Francisco game experience or the Philadelphia second half experience, and it just continued to look like a professionally run offense with a defense that's continuing to improve. I think we'd be talking today, and, and, and Alex was the quarterback in the loss to Tampa, but he played pretty well. We'd be talking right now like Alex Smith is a legitimate possibility be, to be back as the starter, and we would have never seen Taylor Heineke, and Kyle Allen would be you know there, and it would be some sort of competition between the two. But he did have that injury, and we did see what he looked like when he was compromised health-wise. And what you said about another year, and maybe that'll increase the – the chances of not getting hurt next year. I, I just look, even when he was playing, part of why we thought it was good is because the expectations were so low. He was near the bottom in almost every statistical category, except for intangibles, which isn't a statistical category. The qualitative, you know, the intangible stuff was really impactful in a positive way. No one would dispute that. I, I just. I feel awful every time I say this, and I've been wrong every time. I just don't want this team that I think has a chance over the next couple of years to have a really good, if not elite, defense. I just want them to have a quarterback that doesn't waste that opportunity. And that's why I would go the veteran route, like a sure thing, which is let me let me tell you what I told said on the radio this morning. If, if they get Matt Stafford for a first rounder, let's say they got to give up a first rounder, and they're able to you know add a couple of pieces next year um, in free agency and in the draft, but you know in free agency, let's say they add Allen Robinson as the second receiver to go with Terry McLaurin, um, and let's say that Sadiq Charles ends up being ready to play left tackle. And then defensively in free agency, he finds a linebacker or two in another corner or safety because they've got a lot of room with, you know, cap-wise in free agency, especially if they restructure Stafford, which is I think what they would do. They would extend him to lessen the cap number in the next couple of years with the cap, having been, uh, with the cap being reduced. You know what they are? They're a 10-win team next year, and they are the favorite to win the NFC East. And I'm not saying they will, but – 
if he is their starting quarterback, that's a potential 9-10 win team, a 2-3 a to three game improvement and in the postseason for a, consec- a second a straight year for the first time in 30 years. And then in 2022, add another piece or two, maybe they are a legitimate contender to, to, to go deep into the postseason. If you tell me that Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen or a rookie that they draft in the first round or Ryan Fitzpatrick – or Cam Newton, I don't, I can't, I, I'm not going to feel nearly as confident about that as I would about Matt Stafford. I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Here's my problem. If I went to Detroit as a head coach, you wouldn't give him up. I'm not trading Matt Stafford. I know. I hear you. That's where I think this is interesting. Like Matt Stafford is like a, a He's a $33 million cap hit this year for Detroit. But if you were to restructure a deal, you're going to end up having almost all savings on that thing. Or if you were just to live with the deal now, it's like 26 the next year. And you're going to know why you're going to extend it. I just, I don't know why you get, I don't know. Yeah, you'd extend it, but I don't know why you'd get rid of Stafford. Because you want to go, because you want to rebuild, and he's going to be thirty-three years old, and you've got a chance at seven to maybe take uh, the BYU quarterback, or to take Justin Fields, or to take, or you could use that that draft capital to move up if you wanted to to take your young quarterback. Okay, understand, understand where you're coming from. You're 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 adding draft capital, and you're adding cap space. That's basically you're what making the decision to rebuild and start over. And Matt Stafford's not at 36 years old when three years down the road is not w- who you're going to win the Super Bowl. There's with. no three-year rebuild in the NFL. Uh, okay, two. If you, if you. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let me just simplify this. Would you trade Matt Stafford in Detroit right now? No, I would not because yeah. I'm a big fan of him and I think he's. You I, just think they might. I'm sorry. You just think they might. And there's been a lot of discussion about that it, about a, a rebuild in Detroit and a, and a total redo start over in Detroit with whomever comes in. No, I hear you. I would take Matt Stafford in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, in a heartbeat. The thing that you're getting into with Stafford is you're going to have to end up doing a new deal with Stafford. Understood. That's fine. But you're also it is fine, Kev. I understand that. But just keep in mind, now you're going to end up paying a 33-year quarterback an Alex Smith type salary at thirty three. Yeah. Whether or not you, whatever you give up, you're going to end up paying that much money into a thirty three year old. But you got to pay Allen real soon. You got to pay Deron Payne coming up. You got to start thinking about how much cap space you're going to have to pay your defense. I mean, there's some thought to not wanting to pay a thirty three year old quarterback Alex Smith money. That's. And you know what? If they make the decision to stay with the, you know, Allen Heineke thing and maybe draft somebody, you know, uh, on a rookie deal um, and they put all of their money into everything else, that's fine. But I will tell you, I think their chances now of being a nine win team, a 10 win team, and being in the playoffs is, you know, is decent. But to win the Super Bowl, if that's the ultimate goal, it's been limited significantly, you know. Uh, yeah, now you had you had Stafford and a big time receiver, and you got a chance next year. <laughs> you got a chance to win 10, 11 games next year. A chance to do a lot of stuff next year. Yeah. By the way, people have asked me, and maybe they've asked you the same thing. 
The Deshaun Watson thing to me, I'm, I'm just going to repeat what I've said. You don't trade an elite quarterback if you have one, and especially one that you just signed to a massive deal last year. There's nobody that's coming into Houston. Just like we just debated whether or not the people that come come in into Detroit would trade Matt Stafford, and we both said, "Well, we wouldn't." And he's 33. He's going to be 33 next year, and he's not as good as Deshaun Watson. There, I just don't see the Houston trading Deshaun Watson. And then, if you really want to take it a step further and say he's so miserable and he's threatening to hold out and the whole thing, and they actually capitulate. Why would they trade him to Washington? You're going to trade him to a team that's going to – first of all, you're going to demand three three ones, three twos, and a pro bowler. So now you got to start looking at, well, maybe Jacksonville's in the running. Maybe they'll say, we'll take Deshaun Watson. You can take Trevor Lawrence. You know, um, th- th- those are the teams that would then have a chance. Washington's picking 19. Yeah. I wouldn't do that if I was Jacksonville. Boy, I love, I love. I mean, obviously, you can think about it, and Jacksonville has a boatload of cap space. But if you think Lawrence is close to to Watson, he costs you nothing for five years compared to Watson. Yeah, true, absolutely. So if you think you're getting a guy that's comparable and and maybe in his second year to what Watson is, why would you give that up? And I think that's what everyone thinks with Trevor Lawrence is that he'd be comparable. No one's giving that up. I think take on that massive. Well, I guess if I mean, I guess in the trade you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't eat all that cap space. It, by the way, just to compare um, my feelings about Matt Stafford versus Deshaun Watson. With Matt Stafford, I think there are ten, eleven win team, and in the playoffs next year. With Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, I think they're a twelve win team and one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. That's the I know that's crazy. Green Bay. Okay, Tampa, Seattle, um, Washington. Those would be your top four in the offseason. Washington would have the best odds of going to the Super Bowl in 20 years. It, the year, 2000 was the last time they were considered to be a legitimate NFC championship contender. It would be they they would be that with Watson next year. They're not going to be that with Stafford, but they're going to be predicted to win the division with Stafford. They're certainly going to be predicted to be a playoff team with Stafford. With Watson, it's a different level. He's he is an elite. He's he's one of the top five, six quarterbacks in the NFL. Stafford is an obvious top half of the league starter, and you know if you put enough around him, top ten, close to top ten. Yeah, I would agree with that. But he's not Watson. No, I mean there's some other stuff to consider with this, like. Okay, two two simple ones. I don't know if Rivers is done, but there's a connection there in a one-year deal. What's the connection? The Turner connection. Yeah, true. There's an absolute connection with Norv and Scott and Philip Rivers. Right. And I don't know how that relationship actually is, but Rivers gives you a chance to do close to what Stafford did. I, I would... I think Stafford's a better player, but in a one-year situation, I think he can win ten games with Philip Rivers. I don't think. Um, I don't think Reich's going to want to give him up. Why would you want to give him up? I, 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 I wouldn't. He had a good year. Um, the, there's Derek Carr can get traded. I don't like Derek Carr. I know you do. I don't like him. 
I'm not sitting here telling you I love Derek Carr. But Carr's going to get traded. And if you were to renegotiate with Carr now, it's, it's in a different league. Why is he going to get traded? Are they going to go with Mariota? Carr's a huge. Carr's a big hit this year for them if they keep him and a huge savings if they deal him or release him. I'm not. Maybe they love him. Maybe he's not. I don't like him. I, I've never. I'm not a big Derek Carr fan. I'm not a huge fan either. But that's something you got to think you about. You used to be a big fan. I'm not not a fan. I just still don't know on Derek Carr. What about Ryan? Know, what about Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year? I, I think that there's a definite possibility in that. The other thing that I was I was looking at is. Atlanta picks at four. I know. Uh, and Atlanta could move on from Ryan. But Matt, Matt, see, to me, they could move on from Matt Ryan, but it's another situation in which you're going to have to trade for him. And Matt Ryan is going to be 30. I, I looked this up earlier, and now, now I'm forgetting. Matt Ryan's going to be 36 next year, and Matt Stafford's going to be 33 next year. And Matt Stafford's more mobile than Matt Ryan. He's more of a playmaker than Matt Ryan. And I think that 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 Rivera and Scott Turner want a more of a playmaker in at quarterback. I, I Matt Ryan's a really good player, don't get me wrong, but I would rather have Matt Stafford. Even though Ryan's actually won a lot more, but he's been on some better teams with some better coaching. No, I hear you. What about Sam Darnold? I don't. I mean, you look through the free agent. There's. I mean, who are you going to take? Rivers is going to be a free agent. Trubisky is going to be a free agent. Fitzpatrick. The rest of the guys, I'm not interested in. Well, D- Dak isn't going to leave Dallas. We we would agree. With oh, yeah, I, Dak's a free agent, but Dak's not. What about what about be, Darnold? If he's made available, Darnold would be interesting. Wentz is another interesting one. Yeah, another big contract. Well, you know. I don't think they'll. I think they'll end up starting Wentz in Philadelphia next year. Whoever comes in, I do too. And then you look at you look at the draft stuff. I, I think it's really hard to play this game right now. I like playing this game, but I think it's really hard to play this game. I know, but you still have to give me an answer. I mean, and I'm talking Wait, about so, I'm talking about the, so, of the things that so, are possible. Because Dak Prescott's not possible to me. Deshaun Watson's not possible. So of the things that I think are 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 possible. That's the route I would go. Depends on how much you like Alan Heineke and believe in these two guys and understand that your cap is going to be used up in the next couple years paying the first round draft picks over the last four years. Right. Yeah, you, I mean, you pay a big-time quarterback and you're going to lose two of those dudes. The nice thing about the, fi- the first-round pick is you get the, the fifth-round tender. Or the sorry, the the fifth year option. Right. We don't understand the massive deal, but you got to start thinking about paying these guys. I mean, the, the problem is like you get to the draft, and then, then what? Do you, like you're looking at Matt Jones or Kyle Trask. That's pretty much Matt it. Matt Jones, at 19. Kyle Trask at nineteen, and mm-hmm. maybe Trask falls. Maybe one of these guys. Maybe the quarterback thing doesn't go off as hot as it does. Jacksonville's definitely taking a quarterback. And then you get through. The Jets don't have to. They could stay with Darnold. Maybe Sala, who got hired there, will love Darnold. I, I like Darnold. I like Darnold, too. They take an offensive lineman and decide they need to protect him a little bit. You know, the other thing that the Jets could do is they could take one of those Alabama receivers. <laughs> no doubt. Devontae Smith could go a lot higher than anybody thinks he could go after what he did. He could end up going two to the Jets. 
he could. I'll tell you what, he absolutely um, could end up in Miami at three. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to keep Darnold, you got to give him something, and it can't be Jamison Crowder as his best receiver in the slot. It can't. <laughs> right. That's not that's not fair to a quarterback. They're going to win. A, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking. To, uh, I'm looking at the very. I mean, Philadelphia at six would have a chance at, at Devontae Smith. You have to think, and I know I know they took Jalen Rager, but whomever the quarterback is, they need weapons offensively in Philadelphia. So Devontae Smith could be a possibility at six to them. It's going to be interesting. Just I, We're going to have plenty of time to talk about this, and I don't mean to get sidetracked, but the order of receivers. Because Jamar Chase was really thought to be the number one receiver that would be taken in the 2021 draft. He opted out. We see Devontae Smith. You know, We see him for four years. We see an incredible senior year. We see an incredible you know, SEC title game and then the two playoff games. And I don't know if it were me, and I love Jamar Chase, but Devontae Smith would be the first receiver taken. He's going to be the first receiver taken. I don't know who you're getting a quarterback in the draft because I got to I got to think right now. Um, San Francisco is probably going to take quarterback. The Patriots are going to take a quarterback, right? I mean, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Oakland could take a quarterback. Yep. Jacksonville's going to take a quarterback. I mean, those are four teams. I wouldn't – honestly, I think Denver likes Drew Locke, but I wouldn't put, put it past Denver to take a quarterback. And then maybe Drew Locke's available. It, uh, Carolina could take a quarterback. But, yeah. By the way, you, you, you agree with me that Cam Newton's an absolute, you know, dead end. That is, done. I, no, yeah. that's done. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't, know, I don't know if you're going to get a guy in the draft that, unless – you, you like a guy in the second round, or you like a guy that that maybe falls. Do you think that you would pull the trigger on making a move pre-draft? Oh, definitely. Only on Stafford, though, right? Yeah, on Stafford. I, I don't want to get to the point where after the draft, teams that, that didn't get what they wanted, and now all of a sudden it's a much bigger... I, I think one of the things that they did that was fairly smart... You know, even though I hated the the compensation or I hated the deal that they gave Alex Smith, I did not think that they needed to give him that extension right away. Um, And they would have been much better off had they not done it. But I think that if you are going to trade for a quarterback, you want to do that right away. You want to do that when the league year starts. You want to get that done and, you know – rather than waiting, you know, for teams to miss out on the quarterback that they want in the draft and now all of a sudden, you know, there's more competition. <clears throat> Look, they've got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, we, we're going to have time to talk about this stuff, but Brandon Sheriff has to be signed. Um, you know, they're going to have to make, obviously, decisions on um, the two young quarterbacks that we've already talked about, Heineke and Allen, but those aren't real big decisions dollar-wise. Uh, Sheriff is really... Um, uh, is really the, the, the big one uh, in terms of the kind of dollars you're going to give to him. You're going to want dollars to go out and get a receiver. You know, you loved Allen Robinson. I loved Allen Robinson. I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do in free agency with the other receiver if they make a run at somebody like that. But I am on the quarterback, sticking with the quarterback conversation. I'm going to tender, second-round tender Heineke and pay him $3 million. I'm going to uh, Kyle Allen's an absolute lock at 800,000 
and then I'm going to try to trade for Matt Stafford. And if I don't get Matt Stafford, um, you know, uh, then I am going to um, I'm going to consider some of the other people we talked about. I mean, Darnold's interesting to me. Uh, Ryan is interesting to me. I'm not saying that he isn't. Um, who do you think is more valuable trade compensation wise, Ryan or Stafford? I think Stafford is. Stafford. I think it's the age thing. I yeah, I think Stafford. I would take Stafford tomorrow in a game tomorrow over Matt Ryan. The one thing, and I forget if I mentioned this to you the last time we talked about Stafford, here's the one thing that, and and I, and I told Galdi this the other day because Galdi was going down Stafford's, you know, um, durability. Uh, you know, he missed eight games in 2019 and he missed a bunch of games in 2010, I think it was. But other than that, he never had, missed other games. He had eight straight years of playing 16 games. But here's the thing, you know, and I know this because I've sort of been a fan of his and have watched his career. He hasn't missed many games, but he has played a shitload of games hurt. And he's been a gamer and he's been tough, uh, but he has played a lot of games. And I don't have the number, but Matt Stafford has played a lot of games where he was questionable on the injury report on Friday. A lot of them. And so I would ask you, it's one thing at 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 years old, being ready to play on Sunday after being really banged up during the week, is it is it you know isn't it more difficult to do that at thirty three, thirty four, thirty five years old? Yeah, of course. So that would be the one thing that I would just worry about. He's gotten beaten up over his career. He has gotten beaten up over over his career, but he's always made it to game day pretty much. And I'm going to stick with that. All right. So mine is Heineke, Allen, Stafford. Yours, your quarterback room on September 1st, September uh, 2021 is? Heineke, Allen, I'm still in a question mark. <laughs> okay, that's, that's really poorly done. I think, this is too, I, think you're, I think there's too much to think about here with the, a lot of this stuff and what teams are doing with other people. Like if Carson Wentz is available, it's, it's, I would take Wentz before I would take, I think, anybody if that were available in a, in, unless a trade was – so much that I couldn't afford it or didn't want to do it. God, that once situation is going to be interesting. All right, so you're not going to make um, a big call here. I want to see what happens with two or three quarterbacks. Sure, I, yeah. I would want to see what happens with yeah. quarter, a couple yeah. quarterbacks that yeah. could become available. You're so afraid of being wrong. Okay, um, we will get to our divisional round preview uh-huh. smell test lock of the week right after this word from one of our sponsors. Four games this weekend, a little different than last weekend. I loved last weekend, the triple header both weekends. Um, we get two games tomorrow. We get two games on Sunday. The first game of the weekend, Cooley, features uh, two coaches you're very familiar with. It is Sean McVay uh, and the Rams at Lambeau against Matt LaFleur and the Packers. By the way, Arthur Smith looks like he's going to get um, the Atlanta job, at least according to Diana Rossini. So there are a lot of people that have come through the Washington organization that ends up uh, in head coaching positions, um, but the success they've had over the years has not been here. Um, what do you make of Rams at Packers? For the Rams to have any chance in this thing, they have to be amazing on defense. I just I don't see them racking up points with Jared Goff. 
I think Green Bay, while you can run it on them, is good enough in the secondary, and LaFleur understands exactly what Sean's trying to do, that I think it'll be tough for them to get big yards through the air and big plays against Green Bay. The Rams are going to try to run it. There's no doubt about that. They're going to pound it with acres, and that's the game plan that they're going to have. And maybe that wears on Green Bay, and maybe they can win the time of possession by six minutes, but I think they're overmatched with Green Bay. I love the Rams. I'd love to see them win this football game. But I think Green Bay right now is so good. And with the bye week and with Aaron Rodgers having the preparation, I just think it puts a, a lot of pressure on that Rams defense. It, it's just too bad that Goff's not a better player for them. It's um. There's a guy. There's a guy that could get traded. Yeah. No, thank you. Garoppolo too. Um, the. Uh... I would say that you have to be able to run the football against Green Bay. And when Green Bay has lost this year, um, teams have been able to run the football against him. Minnesota did it with Dalvin Cook in a, in a great performance. Um, I love the Rams' defense. I think it's the best defense remaining um, out of the eight teams. Uh, hope Aaron Donald is completely healthy. Obviously, that's huge tomorrow. Um, but in watching the Packers here recently, it just doesn't seem like you can really stop them. You know, can you hold them to 20? You know, Chicago, it was very interesting. That game, you know, Chicago had super long drives, and it was 21-16 with Chicago having the ball in the fourth quarter. And that's going to have to be the way the Rams do it. You know, you get to the fourth quarter and it's 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 twenty one sixteen and and you've got a chance. Um, but man, the, the combination of of Rodgers and Devontae Adams is so tough. So the Rams, I think, will definitely get a lot of stops, and I think they'll get sacks, and there will be moments in which Rodgers will look uncomfortable, and Devontae Adams may even get hit a lot after he catches it rather than being wide open with Jalen Ramsey. But the key, I think you nailed it, is they're going to have to, with their zone run, you know, inside zone, outside zone, all the gaps stuff. They, they're Cam Akers, who had 131 yards last week against Seattle, and he is healthy even though he got hurt. He has not been on the injury report, I don't think. He's going to have to have a big game. He's going to have to have another 25 to 30 carry game for a buck 25 plus. Um, the Rams are going to have to be 50% on third down. And they're going to have to uh, get just enough stops with that great defense to have a chance. I mean, I'm going to tell you in the in the smell test coming up that this is the game where the public really doesn't think much of the Rams' possibility. Um, but you know, in just analyzing the game, they, they got to run the football. They have to run the football. They're they're going to get some stops. This is a team that's going to make Aaron Rodgers a, a couple of times look uncomfortable and make him punt and even sack him two, three, four times. But you just can't hold them back an entire game. They're going to get three touchdowns in this game, and it, you know they're going to score twenty four. I, I they're they're going to score twenty four, and it's going to be a perfect weather day, cold but no issues weather wise, which is probably good for the Rams. Anything cold is not good for Goff. If you hold them under 24, if they hold them under 24, they have a chance. That's a good number. Keep them under 24, there's a shot. I think they can do that, but I think they have to do it as much with their offense as they do with their defense. And Goff, if they're running the football, is going to have to make 
some play action bootleg throws accurately. You know, he's gonna he can't miss on those opportunities where Akers rips off a seven yard run and Sean on second and three comes back with a boot to a wide open tight end. He's gotta be really, really good on those plays. Because they're gonna be the expecting one, it. The, yeah, they, they will. The one thing that you, you would have if you you would have that element of surprise if Goff could play well. That if Goff had a great week of practice and could play well and Green Bay loads the box a little bit and Goff starts making some throws down the field. Cooper Cup the one Cooper Cup's have. questionable, you know, he with this knee thing. That would be a massive loss. Because the biggest play of the game last week was that big bomb which wasn't well thrown that Cooper Cup made a well, great on catch on. It was. Huh? On offense it was. Yeah, well yeah, of course. The big biggest play of the game was the pick screen. Yeah. They score on defense and they got a chance. That's that's the other thing you gotta think about. Score on defense, you got a chance. Score on special teams. They're, and the Rams are a good special teams club. Score on special teams, you got a chance. Saturday night, Baltimore at Buffalo. Um, cold, maybe a little bit of snow, but not a lot. Like there was an earlier forecast was maybe for more snow. Now it looks like, you know, probably not much at all. Um, can the Ravens do something to stop Josh Allen? They stopped yeah. Derrick Henry. Can they stop Josh Allen? I think they can. I want Buffalo to win this game. I think this is going to be a fun, fun game to watch. I think it's going to be an absolute battle, but the Ravens absolutely can get after Josh Allen. They're pretty darn good in the back end, Kev. And they they mix coverages and they get after quarterbacks. And You know, you're going to look at Allen again, moving around, making throws off script, making throws down the field. And if he does it like he's done all year, then they won't stop Josh Allen. But if they turn him over a couple times, and and Allen could throw a bad ball here and there. If they turn him over and get him rattled a little bit, which, gosh, I I think he did get rattled towards the end of that game with a little pressure with the Colts. Then Baltimore's got a chance. And here's the other thing is Baltimore's just so good on offense right now. The way Dobbins is running the ball and the idea of stopping Lamar Jackson is is brutal. I think Baltimore's got a real shot here. I do too. I do too. Cleveland or Buffalo Buffalo is just talk about a tough road through the playoffs. Oh, for Buffalo matchup too, matchup wise. Matchup wise, exactly. I guess it's just a Indy was a tough matchup for, and I think for anybody, but especially for Buffalo. I think Buffalo would have destroyed Pittsburgh. Destroyed him. And I think Buffalo would destroy Cleveland. This is this is going to be. I mean, I think Martindale has done a phenomenal job with this Ravens defense because it's not the most talented Ravens defense of all time. They blitz a shitload. They're going to be coming after Allen. Allen's going to be able to use his legs sometimes to get out of it, and and then you've got big play possibilities. Um, but if not, you know, like you said, you know, he'll take – I mean, that sack he took for the 30-yard loss with the fumble at the end of the game. Oh I mean, God. can you imagine if Indy had picked that thing up and that that had been the game, you know, the, the difference in the game? I would have – honestly, I would have blamed the play calling at that point. I thought it was stupid that they were throwing it in that spot. Um, but, you know, then you've got a, a defense in Buffalo that has given up some some yards on the ground. I mean, you know, look – Offensively, you have to think that every single team that plays the Ravens is going to is going to say, "Hey, Lamar, we need to see you beat us with your arm from the pocket, preferably." Um, 
so, they they are. But here's the thing that you got to think about when you're watching Baltimore is they have the ability to stretch the field and get to the perimeter with some of their runs, with some of their bubbles, with some of the stuff Lamar has getting outside. And so you don't – it's not as simple as it used to be with just putting an eight-man box in there. The RPO stuff, that I just – I was so impressed. We didn't talk – I didn't talk about this with Baltimore the other day, but Greg Roman's ability to get to the perimeter yeah. is really good. And and it's when you think of a built around running the football team, you got to remember that they can get to the edge in a in a variety of ways and will get to the edge and they'll test you outside the box, outside on the perimeter more than that old school. Yeah, we're gonna line it up and run it stuff. That's just not what they are. I um I think Buffalo could win this game. I think Buffalo could win this game by twenty points. I wouldn't be surprised. I know. But for some reason, I, I think Baltimore's just playing nasty, tough, know-who-they-are football at this point in the season. And they're doing things the right way with Lamar. You know, it is true because the Ravens with Jackson here, um, they can, you know, it's the same conversation we had last week, and he proved it, you know, down two scores. They're down 10 nothing early. They came back, they won the game with just stifling defense, totally shutting Derrick Henry down. Um, making that team one-dimensional and then getting it going offensively um, with their running game and with Jackson as a runner and a scrambler. Um, but still, against Buffalo, if they if they fall behind two scores or more against Buffalo, that seems like a you know that that could be a, a game that that could get out of control. But I think the Ravens are smart. They're tough. There's something about that. Game. And and by the way, the experienced team. Um, but Josh Allen's been so so good. Uh, Sunday early game at Arrowhead, uh, the Chiefs and the Browns. Uh, the Chiefs are ten point favorites. You know, I had my old friend Stephen Spector, who used to be a producer at the station, who runs Sports t- uh, Radio Six Ten in Kansas City on the radio show this morning. He sort of agreed with me that they sort of coasted during the regular season. Um, the one thing that I think can happen is I think Cleveland can move the ball and score against Kansas City. And I think they will. So did Houston last year. So did Tennessee to a certain degree last year. The issue is whether or not, you know, you can score 28, um, but Kansas City scores 45. And it's never really competitive. But but the Browns can absolutely, I think, move the football and score Sunday. Yeah, the problem is, is I think Kansas City will light it up. I just don't think the Browns are good enough on defense against Kansas City. And as as much as it looks like they coasted, look at the gear that someone like a guy like Travis Kelsey had, and look at what Tariq Hill can do, and look at what I just this isn't going to be close. Um, I, I, and I, while I think Cleveland can score, I, I just don't think they can score to keep up with Kansas City unless they stop them big time through two and a half quarters. This game will get away from Cleveland. They they can't keep up. They'll end up kicking field goals. They'll end up not scoring. Kansas City will find a way to get some stops, and it'll look like Cleveland's playing good football. And this game will be twenty four to nine in the third, late in the third quarter, and and it'll be over. I, I just want to remind you that in three of their last six games, the Browns the Browns have scored more than forty points. 
They scored 41 against the Titans. They scored 42 against the Ravens. And then they scored 48 against the Steelers. Now, the Steelers game obviously was a massive turnover game. You know, um, the Baltimore game was not. The Ravens didn't have one turnover in that 47-42 Monday night game. Not one. And they, they moved the you ball. Remind, you reminded me of this is, is like Vegas reminding all the fans how much the Browns can score and then still making it a 10-point line. <laughs> I know. I uh, Trust me. I'm very familiar with I'm that. not buying any bit of this game in terms of Cleveland. I love Cleveland. Okay, I, I think it, Stefanski's done an unbelievable job this year. And Bill Callahan is, has been great in, with that running game. And, they, and it's not just his own run game. They've implemented a lot of the Callahan stuff. And they're a gap team team. And they got dudes. I mean, Jarvis Landry is playing some great football. Hooper can play. The kid out of Florida Atlantic, Harrison Bryant, a pretty good tight end. He's going to do some things for him. The, the, the couple other receivers, what's the other guy's name, Wiggins or something? Higgins. But May, Mayfield's found that dude a lot. Yeah. Mayfield's been great. It's just I don't see it this week against Kansas City. I don't. Um, it sounds to me like it could be a, a lock of the week pick. And then the finale on Sunday afternoon, Tampa at New Orleans – a real interesting matchup because the Saints just owned um, Tampa in the two games. It was the opener for Brady, the 34-23 loss. That game was actually on NFL Network last night. Um, and I remember that game because that was the big you know, Fox doubleheader game you know, right after Washington had beaten Philadelphia in the opener. And everybody wanted to see Brady in his first game in Tampa, and he threw a pick six, and they didn't look that great. And it, it ended up 34-23. There were a bunch of turnovers, too many. It was think three or four turnovers for Tampa. The second game, though, was truly one of the shockers of the year. New Orleans in that rematch um, with the Buccaneers on – it was a Sunday night or Monday night. I forget what it was. That was one of the beatdowns of the season. Um, 38-3, to the Saints won that game. The Bucks never had a chance in that game. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I what we watched Saturday night was pretty impressive with Brady. And can you beat Tom Brady three times in a year? And I know that you love Breeze. I think pre- I think even the pressure last week that the the Bears put on Breeze made him at times look a little bit you know rattled. He ended up having a really good day, and they've got you know maybe they've got the best player on the field in Kamara. Um, but um, and they look great with having Michael Thomas back. But I don't know, man. I give Tampa a shot in this one. I definitely give Tampa a shot. How, this is such a great matchup. Tom Brady and Drew Brees, are you kidding me? I love this. I can't wait to watch this game. New Orleans will stop the run. That's the biggest difference. Your first key to Washington winning last week was you got to stop the run. Yep. They didn't do a good enough job stopping Leonard Fournette. And in turn, they didn't do a good enough job. Washington didn't do a good enough job keeping them in check and keeping them slightly one-dimensional. The run action, pass play action stuff, it's its not going to be the same against New Orleans because I just don't see if Jones plays or Fournette, and if it's Fournette, I just don't see Tampa being able to run the ball the way they did right. against Washington. Agreed. I and it's going to be, to me, one of those frustrating games a little bit as a Washington fan that you're going, well, our defense is not anywhere near what New Orleans is. And, you know, you never know. 
because Tampa's got dudes, and they've figured out offensively, I think, more who they are at this point in the season. But with Godwin and Evans and Antonio Brown and break gets going, they got guys. But the Saints are just awesome on defense, Kev. You, they, they are. They're, and, but, and, but so is Tampa. So, so is Tampa, but Tampa doesn't necessarily have a guy that can lock down Evans. I just don't. I don't think Tampa's got a, a guy that's just going to. Or uh, excuse me, not Evans. Um, Thomas, Michael Thomas, and those backers will be good against Kamara, but they'll find ways to get Kamara into open space. They'll find ways to get guys open. They'll screen them, which is something that hurts a Bulls blitz team. Tampa's or uh, New Orleans and Breeze are one of the best screen teams in the NFL. So they'll get after him in a way that Washington didn't get after him on offense. And I, I think that the Saints are a little bit too much for Tampa at this point. But this will, this should be a very good game. I, I don't think this is this is any kind of runaway. I think you're, you, um, you made a really um, interesting comment. And I think it's potentially going to be true. And that is you're going to watch a Saints defense that is truly outstanding. And I know, and I know, I'm beating the same dead horse this week. Washington's defense was massively improved, and it was a good defense. The Saints can shut down the run and make Tom Brady one-dimensional. Washington couldn't. So you're not an elite defense. You're not a great defense when you can't stop the run, and you can't get off the field in big possessions, and you can't really get after a quarterback in big spots. And the Saints can do all of those things. The Rams can do all of those things. The Ravens can do those things in terms of the the defenses we're, we're going to watch this weekend. Tampa, you know, number one rush defense in the NFL. But we're going to see Sean Payton scheme some stuff up to get Kamara the ball and get Thomas the ball. It's funny because I st- – Personally, I'd like to take all four dogs this weekend. Last weekend, uh, you know, I, I was two and one on the smell test, three and one, you know, based on what I gave out that uh, the Friday. But I pulled Washington back before kickoff. But I said I'm going to take all six dogs, and I did personally. And and the, the the underdogs went four and two last week. I like all four dogs to a certain extent this week. I like taking points in the NFL. I love it, but. You have made a case as to why Kansas City and New Orleans could win going away. Um, much more so than the case for Buffalo, in my view. Um, but uh, I, if, if the Saints win by 17, and the, you know, if the Saints win 34 to 21, not going to be a shock. Um, if Kansas City wins 45-27, not going to be a shock. Uh, let's take one more break when we come back. Smell test, lock of the week, and we will give you just uh, our predictions on all four games, a final score prediction on all four games. Kevin and Cooley here on a Friday. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's, it's time, time for, for the, the smell, smell test. test. All right, two and one officially last week uh, on the smell test. That's 14, five, and two over the last four weeks. So I've really gotten it going here at the end of the year. We only set, we only have seven games left, and I'm two games below 500, Cooley. So to make it 11 out of 15 years with a winning record for the smell test, I'm going to have to make up, you know, I'm going to have to 
be plus three the rest of the way. I didn't give myself Washington, even though I gave it out. I pulled it back on Twitter before the game, so it do, it doesn't count. Um, I had winners last week with Indianapolis and with the Rams, and the loser uh, was Chicago uh, against the Saints. Um, there are two games um, that fit the smell test criteria this week, and they are uh, the Rams tomorrow plus six and a half. Um, that, that line, I can't find a seven anywhere. Buy it to seven. It's the same situation as I described last week, um, with Indy. Uh, you've got to, um, take, uh, you got to buy the half point, uh, with the Rams, get it to seven. I'll give it out a six and a half here on Friday. Um, courtesy of my bookie, um, which is where they are. And by the way, I want everybody, uh, to, uh, if you're going to wager and you don't have a place to use my bookie, you've heard the name everywhere. They're the industry's leading online sports booking casino. Uh, they've got every which way to bet on every possible sport. Um, they've got an online casino as well. You can bet in game, you can bet prop bets. Visit their mobile friendly website today. Get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use my promo code KevinDC when you make your first deposit. Best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly. Credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, get paid at mybookie.ag. That's mybookie.ag. As I've mentioned many times, you want a place that you can trust. You can trust my bookie. Uh, the Rams, plus six and a half. I don't know how they do it. Um, but the public's on Green Bay, and there is sharp money on the Rams and Cooley. They're just leaving that six and a half out there, like they did with Buffalo last week. They're just saying, yep, we'll, ta- we'll take all the Buffalo action you want. And this week they're saying we'll take all the Green Bay action you want because you're saying to yourself, ah, oh, all they got to do is win by a touchdown. Uh, I'll take the Rams plus six and a half. And then tomorrow night, Baltimore plus two and a half, in part because of the same reason. That line's just sitting there at two and a half. Buy the half point to get it to three. Um, but people love Buffalo saying, eh, all they got to do is win by a field goal. Um, they're really good. They've been on a roll. They've won, you know, it's a ridiculous number of games in a row that they've won with that one loss being the, the Hail Mary game. Boy, they were lucky to survive last week. I think that is for sure. Um, but this is a team that's won seven in a row and 10 of their last 11 with a quarterback that's been incredibly dynamic, playing in front of some fans. Um, in uh, Orchard Park, Um, but I'll take the Ravens plus the two and a half. Uh, Those are the two plays. Rams plus six and a half by the half point. Ravens plus two and a half by the half point. Those are the two smell picks, uh, smell test picks for the weekend. Cooley, what's your lock of the week? Well, I led into this with just talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and how I think they run away with this game against Cleveland. They're a 10-point favorite right now. And to me, I think this is the only game that's not a tight game going into the fourth quarter. Who knows? I mean, Kansas City's had some interesting ones, but they can score whenever they want to score. And I don't see Cleveland's defense being able to stop them. So do they get a bunch of turnovers early in the game? Does does chaos ensue where they're up 21 points early? That, That could change things, but... To me, this is a game that's owned by the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know, I'd be interested. I don't know if you've kept track of my lock of the week. But I think I'm pretty close too. Yeah, you're. you've, and I, you've I think had a all good but, run. All but maybe two or all but maybe two or three have been 
essentially what you would consider smell test type of picks or anti-public picks. Right. But I have stayed on 16 a couple times this year. <laughs> yeah, I think you have too. Um, all right. Uh, I've got Rams plus 6.5, Ravens plus 2.5. You've got the Chiefs minus 10. Real quickly to finish up the show, let's go, let's rip through the, the games and give final score predictions. I'll go first. I've got... The Packers winning over the Rams, but in a very tight game, 23-20. to 20. Uh, I think the Rams will hang in there. I think they will get enough plays defensively, and I think they'll have a chance in the fourth quarter to win the game. I've got 23-20 Packers. You should have just taken the under as your smell test. Well, that would be really close. The over-under in that game is 45-and-a-half, so... Um, I could see an under. I could see a lot of unders this weekend, actually. Um, but I don't think I'm going to play them that way. Uh, in fact, my my final score predictions are more overs than unders. Um, what's your final score prediction on Packers Rams? Twenty three twenty. Really, really close. I I, I think it's probably going to look more like twenty three seventeen. Green Bay. Green Bay. Buffalo, Baltimore, this is going to be, I think, one of the games of the weekend. I've got the Ravens winning this game in overtime, all right, in overtime, 27-24. An overtime win, 27-24. Mm-hmm. Ravens, so Ravens winning outright. They, so they, they're going to they're kick a field goal in overtime and they get a stop? Uh no. They're gonna get a stop and kick a they're gonna get a turnover and then they're gonna kick a field goal. It's gonna be a very disappointing finish. The Bills are gonna win the toss, get the ball, um, and there's going to be a catch by Stefan Diggs and a fumble. And the Ravens are gonna recover it and then, you know, with that kicker, Justin Tucker, they're they're already in range at the Bills thirty two yard line on the fumble. There you that, go. I think overtime is a big risk on this game because both of these coaches are so analytic driven, make weird, interesting decisions. Mm-hmm. Go for two in certain spots. Go for fourth down in certain spots. Good point. I don't know. I, I mean, you never know how it plays out. It could play out however. How do you it know it's not twenty four sixteen after one of those analytics decisions? And Harbaugh went for at twenty four to ten. He went for the two, missed, and then at twenty four sixteen, he went for the two, and they made it and tied it. I love what you just said. <laughs> 24-22, Buffalo. Harbaugh goes for the two. Buffalo gets a huge stop, and they walk off with the victory. There you go. 24-22, which would, by the way, be, by the way, be a Ravens cover. Um, Chiefs 37, the Browns 28. So it's not a cover. Um, and the Brown, Browns do score, which I think they're going to be able to do, but Kansas City – scores and it's probably like a 37 21 game actually if that's the case then it would be either they, they, they'd go for two down 16 it's like 37 20 they get it to 37 27 at the end no it's whatever I gave you I'm giving you 37 28 I don't know how they get there but it's 37 28 Chiefs which means I think the I, I, I like I like the dog in this game uh, I'll probably be wrong but 37 28 Chiefs 41-24, Chiefs. Chiefs put it on them with a ton of offense. Cleveland ends up getting a score late to make it 24. I think Kansas City rolls in this thing. 41-24. This is the one where I think I'm absolutely going to be wrong because I do think the Saints are a better team. Um, and the way you described it, I could see it happening. And I think part of me wants the Bucks to really show well 
here um, after last week. Um, and part of me also thinks that Brady just is not going to lose three times to the same team in this in the same season. I think this ends up being much more of a defensive game uh, than people think. The uh, I think the total in this game is fifty two. Uh, I've got Tampa Bay in overtime, another overtime game, twenty six to twenty. They drive down the field in a 20-20 to game in overtime and win it 26-20 to on the opening kickoff in overtime. Brady throws a touchdown pass to Cameron Brait for the game winner. <laughs> Reviewed and caught. <laughs> Reviewed and caught this, this time. This line uh, of this, this over-under got to stink a little bit. At 52, open at 51, it's now to 52 with two top five defenses. Mm-hmm. I know. I gave you. I get. I gave you an under that's a though. Big number, Kev. Well, I mean, it's they went thirty-four twenty-three in the opener, and they and both these teams have scored some some points here in recent. You know, certainly Newing, uh, Tampa has thirty-one twenty-seven Saints. Thirty-one twenty-seven Saints. Um, that would be it a goes cover. over. Yeah, uh, and a cover. All right. Um, by the way, you know what I just realized. Did not mean to do this on. I, I didn't. I swear to God, I did not do this on purpose. But when New Orleans lost last year in the postseason to Kirk and the Vikings, it was twenty six twenty in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. Um, I've got them losing twenty six twenty in overtime. All right, uh, that's it for the day. Enjoy the weekend. See ya.